the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I am really excited to have today's guest. We have Kelly Sinek with us. And Kelly is a CPA by trade and a wellness enthusiast at heart. Her wellness journey began six years ago when she started experiencing digestive issues, anxiety, chronic headaches, and back pain. And after struggling to find clarity for years, she finally received a diagnosis for SIBO, which stands for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth. During this stressful time, she turned to mindfulness, meditation, yoga, and therapy to help her mitigate the stress her body was experiencing. Kelly's wellness journey has inspired her to pursue a career in health coaching so that she can help others with chronic conditions struggling to find support in our traditional health system. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Thanks so much for having me, Wade. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And I really love your story and just reading your bio where you say, you know, you're a wellness enthusiast at heart just lights me up. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about your personal journey of wellness and specifically your first entrance point into the wellness world, because it's a big one. Yeah, it definitely is. And it can be overwhelming too. There's so much so much going on out there. Um, like you said in my bio, I started experiencing digestive symptoms about six years ago, and that was kind of the start of my journey into seeking out self-care and uh, just wellness in general. Um, and and my symptoms, they, they started to take over my life a little bit. Um, the digestive stuff, the cognitive stuff, the anxiety, the brain fog, headaches, I just didn't feel good. And it just, it was something that I was so aware of. And it, it made me feel a little isolated, because I felt like other people, um, I couldn't explain exactly how I felt. And it took a lot more effort for me to just show up in day to day life. Um, a lot of anxiety holding me back and causing some fear in activities that I would normally do without question. Um, and I feel like I was kind of hiding that a lot 
from Mm. people in my life. And so I decided like I need to do something to feel better. Um, I wasn't really feeling support from doctors. Um, It took me five doctors to finally get that SIBO diagnosis. And so it, it kind of forced me to take things into my own hands. And I just started reading so many books about health and wellness and digestion and, and learning about the connection between the brain and the gut and how often anxiety and depression are related to, um, gut imbalances and, you know, tried various elimination diets and, and adopted a regular exercise routine and all of that helped, but I feel like I was still missing something. And I think what has been so great about this year, even though there have been a lot of not so positive things that have happened this year, I think it's, it's really forced me to turn inward quite a bit on my, my wellness journey. And it made me realize how consuming all of my thoughts have been mm-hmm. about my illness and my anxiety and my stress. And it was just taking up so much headspace. And so it was really this year where I realized this isn't healthy and I need to maybe stop obsessing a little bit about all the food and exercise and kind of doing everything by the book wellness wise, you know, I'm eating all the right things. I'm exercising at least 30 minutes every day. I'm, I'm doing everything right. And why do I still not feel good? Mm. And so this year, and actually through the help of your program, your mindfulness challenges and centered in the city where um, I was really able to develop a more committed meditation and mindfulness practice and really integrate that into my day-to-day life. And I think it's, it's through that where I've really um, been able to get out of my head a little bit and just show up more in my life and be more empathetic and more appreciative and, and really be open to noticing moments of gratitude throughout my day and just kind of move at a little slower pace in life. And I think that's probably what's been like really helpful for me in my journey. I love what you just shared there. Cause I think a lot, like I can resonate with my own wellness journey of it's starting with movement and me getting really into Pilates and then nutrition and then really landed in meditation and, and how meditation I say is the best medicine I've ever taken. And I'm, I'm really hearing you say that there was kind of like a clicking point where you realize like the, there's so much going on in your head that made you really realize you want to double down into some mindfulness practice practices. And I'm curious, like, and I, I also love how you highlighted, like you were following all the rules, right? You were following all the quote unquote rules of wellness, the 30 minutes of cardio a day, uh, you know, stretching, whatever, breathing, and yet you still were feeling kind of like shit. And so I'm curious, like what for you has allowed you to stay 
committed to your wellness practices and maybe more specifically, even your meditation practices? Because I know it's a huge pain point for a lot of people who are wanting to start a meditation practice or want to start consistent meditation practice. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't something that just stuck right off the bat. Um, I probably meditated for the first time like two years ago and you know, it was something that I would do maybe once every few months. And then um, this year I started seeing a functional medicine doctor um, for my SIBO and she was the one who prescribed me at least 10 minutes of meditation a day. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm alone in saying that um, sometimes I need to hear something from someone else, someone else telling me to do something in order for me to to have it really click, like, okay, like this is really um, proven to have positive impacts. Um, and so it, it kind of took my doctor um, prescribing that and then recommending some different, you know, apps and whatnot to get started in meditation um, for me to really want to stick to it because the next time I would meet with her, I wanted to, you know, tell her some progress that I've made. Um, but even then, it was still hard to do every single day. Um, and I think for me, what makes things easier to commit to is when I have the motivation of knowing the positive benefits of them. So once I can start to see it working in myself, that motivates me to keep going. And to be honest, wait, it, it took a few months for me to really see the positive impacts. And I think at first... Well, and I guess kind of throughout my, my meditation journey, I, I always kind of stick to 10 minutes. 10 minutes is kind of my, my sweet spot. Um, you know, it's long enough to, to see some effects, but it's not too long where it, it is a huge time commitment in my day. And, um, and I think even though it's 10 minutes, sometimes it can be hard to, to fit that in. And, and what I found is doing it first thing in the morning, right when I wake up, is is the best time. Um, what are some, what are some benefits? No, you just mentioned this. Like, what are some benefits you started to notice in your own life that kept you like, oh, yep, this is working. I want to stay connected to this. Yeah, that's a good question. I think I just noticed that I was moving about life a little bit slower. Like mm -hmm. prior to meditating, I would always be in a rush walking really fast and moving one task to another and meditating allowed me to just kind of even walk slower and not rush from work to cooking dinner or to workout class it kind of gave me a little space in mm -hmm. between my different tasks throughout the day um and I think like I mentioned earlier it has allowed me to be a little more empathetic and um, relinquish some control in my life. Like I, I like to be in charge. I like to kind of have things a certain way. Um, and so just kind of letting other people do, do things for me and trusting that they're going to do them right or not even right, but just in their own way and, you know, being okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And just, what do you I feel like? I want to ask you a follow-up about that. Like, because I think a lot of people can relate to it. I mean, I know I can being a born and raised New Yorker where like that pace just feels like it's in my bloodstream, no matter what. 
And I love how you say you felt that this, the slowing down. And I'm curious because I know a little bit about you and you're a little type A and you're proud, you're probably a type A person, which is great. Um, and, and so I'm curious, like, how do you manage that internal self-talk or that internal struggle when you notice, um, you, you are slower and being more present and kind of creating that spaciousness when maybe there also might be an internal or external pressure to like speed up or cross things off your list or do it faster or make sure you get everything down to zero. Yeah, I think I definitely get that at work. Um, and it's, it's not even a pressure that other people are putting on me to like get things done. And there's a, a tight time crunch and stuff like that. It's more so something that I put on myself internally. And so I think what helps me is taking a step back and, and asking myself, okay, is this pressure to get something done within a certain amount of time? Is that something that someone at work has told me? Or is that something that I'm making up in my own head? Love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes the answer is I just made that up. Mm -hmm. I'm putting the pressure on myself. And so I think that helps me a lot and asking myself if I don't get this done today, whether that's something related to work or just personal to-do list, is it going to be the end of the world? Right. And the answer 99.99% of the time is no, life will go on. So I think just taking that step back to put things into perspective really helps. And when you do that, what do you notice shifts in your life or even shifts in your health and your, and your well-being? I definitely notice a reduction in stress. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes if I'm to that point where I need to ask myself those questions, I'm not fully breathing and mm-hmm. just taking shorter breaths. And so I notice once I kind of have that inner dialogue with myself, I'm able to like take a full belly breath and it, it reduces my anxiety and I feel like it improves my digestion. And, you know, it's kind of the, the circular effect of increased anxiety worsens my health symptoms, worsened health symptoms, increases my anxiety. It's kind of that never ending circle. How do you, practice, um, like knowing that you're working through this internal awareness of, okay, when I'm stressed or when I start to notice I'm not breathing, right. I can check in with myself and ask, you know, is somebody putting the pressure on me or is this myself? Can I take a step back? Is, you know, something bad going to happen if I don't cross this off the list today? So it sounds like you're mentally kind of going through the process. And I'm curious, how do you do that in work? Like when working in the corporate world, how are you able to communicate some of those boundaries around your health and your well-being? Because I know it's really important to you to be intentionally managing and proactively managing your stress levels. Yeah, definitely. And that has been a struggle for me this year because, you know, you don't want to be too open with your coworkers about, oh, I'm having all this digestive stuff going on. And, you know, then it kind of goes back to, oh, would they really understand? They probably wouldn't understand how cognitively that's affecting me. 
um, and the importance of keeping my stress levels low. Um, but I think what's really helped me is just being firm with my boundaries and saying no. Like even today, someone pinged me asking me if I could do a task and I had back-to-back meetings all day. And I said, I'm really sorry, but I I have some free time to do it tomorrow afternoon, but today I'm not going to be able to get it done. And then we worked it out. And so I think oftentimes in the corporate world, people are, are so eager to just please their boss or, or their manager and to just say yes, yes, yes. And then inside they're drowning, but their manager doesn't know that because they're not verbalizing that. And so then you become resentful and it just kind of snowballs. So I think practicing and getting comfortable saying no or renegotiating like, okay, you asked for this today, but what if we get it done tomorrow? Mm. I think that's important. I love that. So like not only just setting boundaries and realizing, okay, this is my capacity, what I'm personally able to do, but it also sounds like maintaining like a growth mindset, like a a win-win-win mentality where you realize you saying no doesn't mean you're shutting a door. It just means you're seeing and exploring where there's other opportunities and possibilities where everybody can be happy, that it's not just I have to say yes, otherwise, you know, I'm going to disappoint them, which I think a lot of people fear. And then if they say no, then they think that they're being selfish or self-indulgent because they're creating that boundary and, and really like saying yes to themselves in that moment. Yeah, definitely. And I think also too, like proposing a different way of getting the task done you know, rethinking, is there a more efficient way to do this? Could this be outsourced? Um, I think just looking at it from a different perspective and, and that will kind of show that you're innovative too, Mm -hmm. but that'll also reduce your workload from piling up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you do a lot. You're not only working full-time and going to school and studying and doing some side hustles and stuff, how do you fit self-care into your daily or weekly rituals and routines? Yeah, I'm, I'm huge on self-care and I always have been. So for me, it's kind of a non-negotiable. It's one of the things that I make sure to fit into my schedule first. And I guess that kind of leads to, I actually schedule in my self-care on my calendar. Um, So usually on the weekend, I'll look forward at the week ahead and see which workout classes I want to do. Granted, most of those are on Zoom right now, but I'll, I'll sign up in advance and then I'll put it on my calendar, on my work calendar too, so that people know that I'm busy during that time. Um, on my work calendar, I have an hour blocked off for lunch every single day, um, to give myself that break. Um, and then if I have a meeting or a webcast or something at work where I don't have to actually be at my computer, I'll go for a walk. Mm. And that's actually been one of my favorite things this year because it forces me to pay attention because I'm not sitting at my computer tempted to multitask. Mm. And I'm getting 
outside, getting fresh air, getting a little exercise in. Um, so I think that's been a way to kind of get a little self-care in during the workday. Um, I think another thing that's really important to me too is having slow mornings and evenings. So before bed, I really, really try to wind down at least 30 minutes before bed doing something that isn't engaging my brain, um, whether that's meditating or foam rolling or reading or I'm at home with my parents now. So just like laying on the floor with my dogs and petting them. Um, it, it allows me to fall asleep easier and just kind of disconnect from the day. Um, and then the mornings too, like I, I do try to wake up a little bit earlier to, um, to meditate, to get some sort of movement in. And I, I do like to read a couple um, quick hit like news emails in the morning. That makes me feel productive going into my, my day. Um, so I think, I think routine is good and really utilizing the calendar block things off. How do you stay motivated when maybe you had to like bump a workout because a meeting showed up on your calendar that you had to take, or um, maybe, you know, you got sick and had to take a few days off of, of working out. Like, how do you stay motivated and, 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 or like reconnect to your routine? Well, I think one thing that I'm trying to work on right now is to forgive myself mm -hmm. and to kind of watch that internal voice in my head. If I do have to switch things up or if I'm not able to make a workout class, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to um, hold me back in my health journey, missing one workout class or even a week's worth of workout classes. Um I think for me, kind of like how I said in the, the beginning of the interview, it's um, knowing how good something can make me feel. Mm -hmm. That's my motivation. Mm -hmm. um, because I know that if I don't get eight hours of sleep, I'm going to feel like crap the next day. Mm -hmm. Or I feel so much better after a workout. And honestly, I work out for my mental health more than I do for my physical health. Mm -hmm. It makes my mind clearer, reduces my anxiety, gives me that boost of energy. I don't drink coffee or caffeine or anything. So a morning workout is, is kind of that substitute for me. Um, yeah. And I think just really that forgiveness, especially this year, it's, it's been hard to adjust to a virtual workout routine. Um, for me, it's been hard because when I'm working out at home, I'm just constantly thinking about all the things I need to do at home. And whereas going into a studio, it's kind of an escape from your to-do list or work. Um, so it, it has been hard, but I think I never regret it. I never regret doing a workout class afterwards. I always feel good. Mm -hmm. um, but also scheduling in those, those days off and stretching and just walks. Like yeah. I have this term that I use with, with clients and, and myself called mind forward. And it's how can we be, you know, mindful of how our future self is going to feel. 
right? And that kind of tapping into what you just said of, you know, it's, you know, right now we're doing this interview, it's 4 p.m. and it's dark already here in the winter. And, you know, that motivation for to go on a walk or to do something after work, right, takes a lot more motivation. And at the end of the day, our motivation is we're kind of tapped, right? Our our ability, but can we just switch our mindset to think about how we're going to feel afterwards and stay connected to that feeling and let that feeling drive us, I think is a huge tool and um, practice that can be really helpful in just staying motivated. Because as you said, like there's a million ways that you could just be like in this moment, oh, I'm too tired or there's something else on TV or, you know, I could cross more things off my to-do list, but you know, you're not going to feel better. Yeah. I I like that, that saying a lot. Um, And I think too, it's important to tap into what your body needs and realize when you do need a break um, Mm -hmm. and you're going to feel better if you do just lounge on the couch and watch TV versus forcing yourself to work out when you're sore and you have a headache and you're just not feeling it. Um, so I think really listening to, to what your body needs is important as well. What, what advice would you give somebody who's listening, who's, you know, on their own health journey and they're maybe struggling with finding a diagnosis and, you know, they're having digestive issues or or having headaches and they don't know what to do. Where would you suggest would be a first really small step that they could take? I think the biggest thing is when it comes to health, you have to be your own advocate. If you feel something is not right in your body, it's probably not. And you know, your body Mm -hmm way better than any doctor does. And doctors know that, but they hate to admit it. And so if you feel something's off and your doctor is telling you you're fine or it's all in your head or all your tests came back perfect, you need to fight for yourself. And sometimes that does mean doing research on your own and presenting something to your doctor saying, hey, I found this online, not to, not to be like a hypochondriac or anything, but I I found this and, you know, this, could we explore this a little bit? Could we do this, this advanced testing to figure out if this could be something that's going on? And if, if you're not vibing with your doctor, get a new one, you know, there's nothing holding you to your current doctor. Um, I have found great success and care with a functional medicine doctor. They look at the body holistically uh, that, that mind gut connection, they prescribe things such as meditation, good night sleep, um, other stress coping mechanisms. Um, and so I think if you are dealing with something chronic, um, a functional MD is probably your best bet. Mm. I love that. Yeah. It's so true. You know, being, a cancer survivor, I've had my connection to the medical world and you totally have to be your advocate. You have to um, 
get various doctors' opinions, right? Just not what doctor is going to have all the answers and just to know that, right? Because I think we put a lot of faith in our medical system and sometimes Western doctors don't have all the answers. And so where can, I think the Western, the Eastern really combine and become this functional medicine approach so that we're really looking at the human body from this holistic perspective, because I totally agree. Like that is where sustainable health and well-being has the most impact, not just, Hey, let me give you this um, medication to, you know, solve this problem when really there's underneath um, health that can be reworked. And, you know, for me going through Hodgkin's lymphoma, of course, like I'm so grateful for Western medicine to be able to have chemo that could zap the cancer out of my body. But I also know a lot of people who have been able to heal themselves from cancer just through nutrition and wellness and um, meditation and mindfulness. And so I think when we can look at the body functionally, it's like a whole new world is opened up. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, looking at things holistically has helped me incredibly um, because, you know, everything's connected. If you just focus on diet, but you're a stress case, you're not going to get better. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying is you can be doing everything right when it comes to nutrition or activity, but if you're not taking care of your relationships in your life, or if you're not happy at your career or not getting good sleep, um, you're not going to be able to get better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Everything is a domino effect, right? Everything is connected. We're not these sectioned off individual people and things in our life. So totally agree with that. Tell us, Kelly, where people can learn more about you and get to um, learn more about this holistic perspective that you have. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at the holistic hype and I share a combination of recipes. Um, I love cooking. That's kind of one of my creative outlets is in the kitchen. Um, so it's been fun to do a little bit of food styling and photography. Um, so a combination of that and then informational graphics about various holistic topics. Um, and it's stuff that I'm learning in my training to become a health coach, um, as well as just in my personal um research from, you know, reading books or listening to podcasts. She's got a great Instagram and so many great tips and tools about how to get more sleep and really learning what does holistic health mean. So definitely check it out. Thank you, Kelly, so much for being here and um, looking forward to staying centered in our city with you. Thanks, Wade. Thanks so much for listening to the Center of the City podcast. If you know of a great guest for our show, feel free to send an email to team at centeredinthecity.org or sign up for my newsletter at wade at wadebrill.com. And of course, you can always check out the Center of the City platform at centeredinthecity.org.
Until next time, stay centered.